With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Before we get to the next great episode of Bosco's Boys, remember this show and all of our episodes are sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company. They're the best craft brewery in the entire state of Kansas, and in my opinion, the entire region. It doesn't matter matter if you're a hophead, someone who likes something more malty or fresh, crisp, and refreshing. Your new favorite beer is on tap at Manhattan Brewing Company. I guarantee it. They also have a fully stocked bar for signature cocktails as well. So whether you're going to watch the cats tip off in March Madness, stop by somewhere before the WNIT game in Bramlage for the women, or if you need something to take back home, Manhattan Brewing Company, whether on tap, four packs, or crowlers, is the beer for you. Trust me. Now, let's get into the show. Campbell's freaking state is dancing. A new season has begun. Tang has his first year cats in position for a run. So grab a bracket, grab a brew, or beverage of your choice. John C. Bart's gladness when he hears Bosco's voice. Oh, don't you know we're on a podcast with Bosco's voice? Because I love you, hands, baby. We're on a podcast with Bosco's voice. Because I love Thank you. Thank you very much. The boys are back, and I didn't lie to you guys. Yesterday, it was all me, all emotion, just kind of an instant reaction gut check to the Cats back in the big tournament. But I wanted to get someone who is much smarter than me. He is the number one mind when it comes to college basketball in the K-State world. You read his stuff at K-State Online. You read his stuff on Twitter. And last night, well, I guess last night as I'm recording this, two nights ago as you guys are listening to this, you could have read every thought he had during the Selection Sunday show as his wife was live tweeting it. It is the man, the myth, the legend, a Mount Rushmore guest of Bosco's boy, a first ballot Hall of Famer, and one of the best people I know, Jimmy Goheen. Jimmy, how are you doing, my friend? I believe you're on spring break, so just, uh, you know, how is life uh, treating you at 11 a.m. on a Monday uh, just hanging out at home? It is good. Um, I am on spring break, kind of started spring break early, going to the Big 12 tournament and, and working with DY and, and covering, you know, the one Cats game and then 
just kind of enjoying Friday uh, since I already had it off. Um, but it's, it's good to be back in the tournament. It, it was a lot of anticipation watching the, sh the uh, selection show and, and where K-State was going to end up, um, partially because I knew that I could I could go with KSO and DY. If uh, it was drivable, I probably wasn't going to be able to afford to fly, but I can handle driving. And even though Greensboro is going to be a haul, I'm going to do it. You're going to send me a list of podcasts, and I'll be listening and Stopping in Kentucky on the way, grab some bourbon, and then I'll be in Greensboro on, on Thursday. So it should be fun. Yeah, I, I want to actually go back. I, I want to go back to the days of KSU fans, go email, those early days of message boarding. And, you know, as you were always, you know, part of that community, did you ever think if you go back and tell, you know, 30-year-old Jimmy or, you know, whatever age you started posting on these message boards, you're going to be a credentialed member of the media, not only for a Big 12 tournament, uh, but now for an NCAA tournament. What what would, uh, you know, you know, very young Jimmy uh, say to that, to future Jimmy telling you that? Uh, I would have thought you were pretty crazy that uh, just, you know, I, I just got into some numbers and, and uh, following the cats in basketball, you know, originally probably more in basketball than football. And uh, enough of uh, a reputation for knowing enough to be dangerous, I guess, that, uh, you know, it goes back to uh, the first guy that gave me a shot was was uh, Jay Mart when he took over the original K-State online. And then Matt Hall kept me around and then D.Y. has kept me around. So thanks to those guys for for giving me a chance and uh, getting to be part of the ride and, and do my little part with some numbers and some some breakdown stuff. So. It's been fun, and I'm gonna looking forward to being my first, second NCAA tournament game I've ever been to. The first one I ever went to was the was the Beasley game. That's the only other game I've been to as far as the tournament goes. Well, actually, my third. I I guess I've regressed the thought of the LaSalle game in Kansas City because I did go to that one too. Yeah, I, I I was at both games in Oklahoma City on that Elite Eight run. I was at LaSalle, and then I uh, I was at the Loyola game as well. So. Uh, I'm, I'm 500, uh, and the two losses have been heartbreakers. But you know what? That that BYU game in that round of 32, especially because you know the legend of Jimmer really, uh, he became Jimmer, one name Jimmer that next year at BYU. But that opening round game, I I believe versus Florida, uh, that's when the legend really started to begin. And, and mm -hmm. that round of 32 game was great. So I'm jealous you're going to be out there again. I I will. Uh, I'll take a look at some some uh, different podcasts that I think you might like a little cross section of history and uh, narrative type podcasts that might help you get out there. I, I think you'll enjoy yourself and uh, I will not be going there, but I'll, I'll tell you this. If we make it through this first weekend, I'm going to have a hard time not looking at my bank account thinking, you know, you know, maybe I can just, you know, cut back on a lot of stuff and fly to New York and see the cats in mass and square garden because uh, that that's a historic, uh, you know, arena and, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I think, I think we could, there, there's no one in our region we couldn't beat, you know, it's, we're due for a final four. So I might have to make my way to New York city. Have you ever been to New York city? I have not. And I've, I'm having similar thoughts as you, is that, you know, if the, the flights to New York are actually quite a bit cheaper than going to Greensboro, considerably Dude. cheaper, like 200 bucks or so cheaper. So Greensboro. You, know, you can get a flight. The flights to New York are like three fifty ish, so oh, yeah, it's not yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, I could I could probably make we'll, we'll see what happens. I won't get ahead of myself and I definitely won't get ahead of myself and say that I uh if K-State were to make it to Houston, I'm definitely not going to think about how I had enough points and I already have tickets <laughs> secured for the final four if K-State were to make it through K-State. I'm not thinking about that. I'm not even going to say that on the podcast. I don't I don't I know why it. you're trying to get me to say stuff, Jimmy, but I, I'm not going to worry about that. Uh, unless we get hot here Let, let's first before we talk about the matchup because you're like me I, I had a lot of fun I always like bracketology I, I think it's a lot of fun uh, when your team is on the bubble uh, not I mean like following stuff again it's not fun you know stressing uh, but it, but it's fun to follow okay who has us in who doesn't uh, but when you are playing as well as K-State did and, and I think you're right there with me I had a lot of fun trying to track okay What's our best path to a two seed? Oh, where's our opening weekend's uh, game is going to be? I had a lot of fun following that, trying to track it out myself. Granted, I ended up being wrong. I thought, no, Greensboro is one of the sites I did not think we were going to end up in. I thought there was enough mid-Atlantic teams they might give a nod to instead. Uh, So I had it wrong. But it was a fun process to follow this entire season. I know you even kind of dabble in a little bit of bracketology yourself. How much fun is it following all this type of stuff when it is, okay, can we get to a two seed? Hey, can we play close versus, ooh, it's us versus Nevada for a bubble spot. Oh, it's us versus Mississippi State or something like that. How much more fun is it to be in our shoes versus if you were an Oklahoma State grad? Yeah, it's definitely much more fun because I I have – this is the first year I've gotten into location tracking and, and how that process works. And, and, you know, uh, NCAA, Day, NCAA and Andy Katz put out some great videos explaining all that. I think we talked about that before last time I was on. But just going into the location stuff and then all the dominoes that can fall based on conference teams in certain regions and all that stuff was pretty fascinating. Um, like I do, I have done bracketology myself sort of on my own for years, just picking and seeding teams. And even the last three years when we weren't even in the picture I did it because I'm weird but um, this year is much it's way more fun when we're in the in the conversation Uh, it's way more fun when uh, we're a top four seed because then you you are talking about how are you going to get slotted how are you going to get seated where are you going to be and and that that's been a lot of fun and now you know now that we know it's pretty cool I did you know you you mentioned you thought we'd be in Orlando and I I totally understood that just looking at you know, the other teams that were right behind us, UConn, Virginia, Indiana. Uh, but I also wasn't completely shocked that we got Greensboro because I knew that if if the the committee was going to follow the distance letter to the law, and we ended up being, what, 10 on the S-curve, I think? 11, 11. 11. So I, I knew where we – I knew we were going to be about in that spot, and it was going to come down to because so many good teams were west of the Mississippi River – and and out to to this part of the country and there was wasn't any texas pod that it was going to be a juggle of of where you're going to put all these teams and i knew greensboro was going to be in the picture and i started looking at it saturday morning before i came home talking to dy and i was like ah i i think i could drive drive to greensboro because i was like i can't drive to albany orlando but maybe i can swing greensboro and then you know I started looking at that, talked to my wife about it. My my wife 
is completely supportive of my weird hobby. And she's like, Hey, you know, if it's Greensboro, I know that's a haul, but, uh, I think you should consider going. Cause I was, when I came home Saturday, I was like, I'm, if it's Greensboro, I'm probably not going to go. And, and my wife was like, uh, Alicia's real supportive. And she was like, well, you should think about going, you should look at, look at it. And that uh, this is only going to happen. How many times is this going to happen? So I'm like, once it happened, uh, it looked good. And like I said, the, like you said, originally though, on my, before I diverged, the whole process of following all this, when your team has been basically in the top four seed line since big 12 play started. Um, and, and we, we got off to a good start. That has been fun to watch, especially when we did not expect it this year. We, I think we, you know, expected to be more like Oklahoma state uh, as we came down the pike, not, uh, in the top four seed conversation. So that's been a, that's been a real fun thing to be part of. Yeah, no, I, I I'm right there with you. And, uh, I, something I think I learned with how the brackets, uh, fell out, because hopefully this is something that we get to do a lot of with Jerome Tang. They don't really use a lot of nuance. They were going raw data on location. And I think we learned that seeing Texas go to Des Moines instead of Denver, which that was basically equidistance for them and it could have created a much closer uh, pod for Marquette. Uh, so I think moving forward, I, I think they truly do. They just go raw yeah. mileage and don't worry about kind of setting everything up. They just go down the S uh, curve and that's how it is. And, and luckily I think that is how we ended up in Greensboro. Let's move into uh selection Sunday. And how did you watch that? Because I was pretty convinced um, that K-State was going to be a three seed, and I knew we would not be in KU's region. When I saw Houston pop up in the Midwest, was shocked, purely shocked. I, I still don't quite understand how they did that, and the NCAA did not do themselves a favor trotting out uh, whatever his name was. I, I'm forgetting his name. He was not very good at giving explanation as to Houston over Kansas and uh, anyone over Oklahoma State, he he was not very good. But I was surprised. But I was tracking it. I was looking at locations. I was looking at three seeds. And then when I saw Xavier pop up there, uh, knowing that there was still Tennessee, knowing that even Duke, uh, with how hot they've been down the stretch, I started getting a little worried. We were falling to a four seed because, uh, you know, I you know I, I'm I'm a worrier a little bit. Walk me through. Uh, doing all this research, how you watched Selection Sunday for folks who did not get to follow your wonderful wife live tweeting all your thoughts. I, I was like you. I was watching every kind of every time the bracket would pop up, I'd look at four or five where the location was, and then I'd look at the three, six, and where the location was when they showed the bottom half of the bracket. And uh, probably the most nervous I got was when uh, – Miami was announced as a uh, five seed, I believe. Uh, I can't remember what region, but I thought here they're going to put us at a four and they're going to make the Nigel Pack versus K-State matchup happen. Um, so that was my most nervous. I think that was in Orlando, perhaps, uh, or Albany. I can't remember which. So that's that's the one time I thought uh, we might in, end up um, as a four. Then as it came back, you know, we got through the third bracket in the Midwest. We weren't the three, and Texas got the, the, the Midwest for the Big 12. Then, well, then we knew it was, we were going to be in the last bracket. It was just a matter of what would be the four. And then what, Duke popped up at the five, right, in that region? Yeah, correct. Then I was worried, then I was worried oh, boy, we're going to be the four against Duke. And then 
then when when the, the, the five was announced, I can't even remember who it was. Then I was like, okay, we're going to be the three. Yeah, then Tennessee. So, the, yeah, Tennessee. Yeah. Then they showed uh, the black and then it was it was going to be us as the three in Greensboro. So I was like, now we know, now we know. So it you know it just having different things on the line. This is the first time I've cared about where we're playing because usually I'm like, I don't care where we play because I'm not going anyway. But this is the first time I cared about where we're playing. So factoring in every time the locations popped up and where the seeds were uh, was interesting to follow. Um, and it was kind of nice to be at the end. I'd rather get it out of the way earlier in the selection show, but it was also nice to be at the end because then you knew exactly where we were going to go once that bottom half of the bracket popped up. Yeah, I kind of had butterflies, especially at the end, the final bracket when the four or five was popping yes. up. Like I was like nervous. I was like, ah, <laughs> come on, I want the three seed. So it, it was a lot of fun, and it and it was kind of a unique bracket experience because again, in previous selection shows, this is the first time K State's been involved in how they've gone about it. Because back in, you know the last tournament we were in, um, they they did the whole like drawn out like oh here's all the ones and. Oh, all this type of stuff. And so this is the first time with the new uh, reveal show. Uh, and, and I really enjoyed it. Let's get into the uh, the games, though. Uh, first off with Montana State. Now, um, the I, I think some K-State fans have a little bit of PTSD being the highly rated seeds uh, in this opening round game. Now, if you remember, if you go back to... Uh, K-State versus LaSalle and then K-State versus uh, you, you, uh, University of California, Santa Barbara or whoever, whatever Cal system school we lost to. I'm definitely Irvine. trying to forget about Irvine. that. Yeah. yeah, Irvine. Sorry. I think I said that wrong. I think I said Santa Barbara in the uh, Monday episode, but it is what it is. Um, both of those games were almost immediately, instantly kind of red flagged for folks to say, oh, this could be. Uh, this massive upset Th there's a chance this could happen and it was universal anytime someone was picking like a uh, something longer than a 12 seed to pull off an upset those games were instantly pointed out now I think ESPN might have been like oh if you're looking for a super long shot maybe this is the one because Montana State gets to the free throw line and sometimes K-State fouls a lot but this is not uh, some underseated you know conference champion this is not some team that has uh a silver bullet that hey we have to be worried about um so i'm not quite frankly i'm not i i think montana state is about as perfect of a draw as we could have gotten especially when you look at some of these other teams out there uh like maybe a vermont like some of these other bigger school or not bigger schools but teams that could have caused us some more problems. What was your immediate reaction when you saw was the big sky Montana state Bobcats? And after you dove into the numbers, what, what's your come, what, what's your come away uh, when it comes to this match? I really liked it. Uh, first of all, just because um, even there, there's things I first of all, I'll just get to this. I, I went through and looked at like 16 different teams and broke out stats the, the night before on Saturday um, just to get a feel for possible opponents, just pro probably because I was nervous and I just wanted to do something and, and see what was going to happen. Uh, Montana State was in that group, but I had, like like I said, a bunch of 12, 13, 14, 15 seed possibility teams, teams that were still playing in their conference tournaments, et cetera. 
my big warning flags were teams that forced turnovers at a high rate. Um, I was really worried about that. Teams with really good physical, bigger guards, uh, or, or teams, especially mid-major teams, teams that shoot the three really, really well and shoot a lot of threes. So um, Montana State checks most of those boxes. They are a decent turnover rate team. They do force turnovers at a decently high rate. They're you know, number 74 in the country as far as turnover rate forced, uh, but only 151 in steals rate. So the, the number of turnovers that are steals. Um, so that's not a bad thing. They're not a good three-point shooting team. They're a forward-led team. They've got solid guards, but but they're really led by a wing and a couple bigs, which you know could pr- propose some challenges for us. Um, but at the same time, um, I liked that they weren't a team that's a great three-point shooting team or a team that shoots a ton of threes. Um, so I like that matchup. They're 288 three-point percentage and 295 in three-point rate. So um, they're an inside-out team, more inside than outside. Um, another bi- the b- other big concern is they get to the free throw line a ton. They get fouled a lot and get to the free throw line a ton, and we foul a lot. So that'll be a, a, a challenge for us. Uh, they're fifth in the country in free throw rate, and we're 298 free throw rate defense. So that's a matchup that we'll have to watch. Um, but those, those are – I'm getting into the stats already, but that, those are kind of my initial thoughts looking at Montana State. No, and, and I like that you brought up the stats there. And uh, I'll ask you this because I, I know you and I, that this is this is the very first thing, the very first kind of advanced analytics, the very first thing I think you drilled into my head. This was years ago, and it's all about free throw rate, not necessarily about your free throw percentage. You know, yes, when you get to the free throw line, you want to hit them, but it is more about, and you're going to make your, you know, if you want to make a positive impact, on uh, free throw shooting in the game. It's how often you're getting there and how often you're send, sending your opponent there. Um, when you see that and you see that big, that that's the big red flag for me when I look at us versus Montana State. How how do you combat that? Is it as simple as saying, hey, try to play sound defense and then maybe you know force the issue and get to the line yourselves a little bit more often? Or h- how would you go about this uh, knowing that that is one of their bread and butters, and that is something where we've struggled basically the entire season. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and I, you know, part of me is is like, how much is this due to the conference they play in and the, the kind of the competition they play in? Because the bulk of their free throws come from two guys, Jabriel Bello, who's a big and great Ozabar is another big that comes off the bench. He's kind of a six man. Both guys are six nine, six eight power forward center types. Um, both guys are from England. Actually, they're from London. I think both of them, uh, their coach went over and recruited them. Um, the one guy is a fourth-year player. He's got 120 starts and 121 games, Bellow. So he's been there a long time. Anyway, he shoots almost six free throws a game, and Osobar shoots four and a half free throws a game. So uh, they average over 20 free throws a game, but those guys are shooting 11, 10 to 11 of those free throws. So they're bigs. They both shoot it pretty well, 74% and 67% for the two of them. Um, so their bigs are getting fouled a lot. And uh, while I, I do think we foul a lot, I think we we seem to foul as much on the perimeter as we do inside. Um, I do think uh, we have, you know, not super physical guys. Uh, I think uh, Bebe is pretty physical. And 
Gasson is a little more athletic and more of a, a, a finesse type big. So we have a couple guys we can throw on them. And then, you know, Tomlin will probably get some minutes on one of the two as well. So that'll be really uh, a, a interesting to watch. The other guy that gets the free throw line a lot is Raekwon Battle, who's their best player. Really good player. Uh, averages over 17 points a game. Very athletic wing. He actually was a top 100 recruit out of high school. Went to Washington and then transferred from Washington uh, before last season to find Montana State. So he's been there two years. This year, he's become a starter. Um, he is their heavy usage guy. He shoots 35% of their shots while he's on the floor, which is fifth in the country for anybody. So he's going to be the guy they play through. But again, you have him and then you have these two bigs, one that starts, one that comes off the bench. Uh, so you have those are their three guys that average double figures and will be the challenge uh, for us to guard is is managing the wing and then managing the two bigs. And to me, the big thing also will be is those two bigs, while Osobar doesn't start, they will play a lot together on the floor. And we don't really see it a lot of teams in the Big 12 that have two bigs because neither one of these guys shoot threes. Uh, they don't shoot threes at all. So we haven't really seen a team that's got two non-three-point shooting bigs that play together. So that'll be the biggest challenge, I think. So flip it to us on offense versus them on defense, at least how you laid that out. I, I think that assuming Tomlin can stay out of foul trouble, which is not a good assumption, quite frankly, it has not been a good assumption. Uh, but but when he's out on the floor, he's become an efficient player. He's become a guy who's, you know, shooting from the field very well. Um, if they have two bigs out on the floor, I, I think Tomlin could be you know, that third guy to step up in this game. Cause we're always looking for that third guy. Um, assuming Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson even have average games. Uh, they're going to put you in a position when you need that third guy. Um, how big of a key is it going to be not only for this game, but really if K-State wants to make a run for Naquan Tomlin to be able to play 25 to 28 minutes a game versus, you know, 20 or less that we, we, we saw, you know, versus West Virginia and versus TCU. Yeah, that, that'll be huge. Um, the TCU game is a great example. K-State played really well early when Naquan was in the game. Once he picked up his second foul is really when TCU kind of took it to us, got the lead at halftime, and then second half, you know, kind of put us away. So um, him staying on the floor is huge. Uh, you, you mentioned they have to guard us too, and they've got to find a way to guard Key. They've got to find a way to guard Naquan, and that's going to be tough considering the players that they play. Uh, like I said, Osobar doesn't start. They start a guy named Tyler Patterson, who's a 6'8 guard. I, I would, you, you can think of him as kind of as a poor man's Grady Dick. 90% uh, of his shots are threes. So he's a 6'8 guy that's going to shoot threes. Uh, and then they've got three guards that are pretty good. Darius Brown transferred from uh, Cal State Northridge. Caleb Fuller is another transfer from UC Davis. Those two start. And then there's another kid named Robert Ford that comes off the bench um, who came from Idaho State. So they, they have those three transfer guards that, you know, are not their key players, um, but they're all solid players and they're good defenders. Uh, I do think they'll have trouble with uh, uh, Keese and Desi and how they're going to match up with them. Um, but like I said, you have this, this ability that they have to play a big guard and then bring another big in. Um, so that that's going to change, create a few little matchup issues um, for us. Uh, but like you said, they have to guard us, and 
that's the thing where we have to take advantage of of how can they match up with us with our combination of athleticism and size, which is not something they see very often. The two games they saw anything close was Oregon and Arizona, and they got beat by 20 and by 30. So hopefully we can bring the same issues those two teams brought. Definitely. We, we pointed out where the red flag is, uh, you know, when, when they're on offense, it's them getting to the free throw line and us, you know, putting folks on the free throw line. What's the biggest thing if you're looking just purely numbers? Because, again, it's a different class of basketball. You have a different class of talent, a different class of size. And, you know, I, I think Jerome Tang is a different uh, class of coaching uh, because, you know, the big sky is what the big sky is. It's it's not great in basketball. Great FCS football conference, not a great basketball conference. So if you're just looking purely on the numbers, what is that biggest thing that we – uh, exploit when you're looking at the advanced analytics on offense versus their defense. Um, we should we should be able to get um, to the free throw line ourselves because uh, we're a very good free throw late rate, rate team. We're not top five like they are, but we're number 48 and they're number 284 on defense. So they foul a lot. That's something that we can exploit. Um, I think we should be able to get we, – we can be a pretty good offensive rebounding team, and I think that's something that we can exploit. And they're also poor at uh, three-point defense, number 233 in the country. Uh, and we're not a great three-point shooting team, but we can be. And when we do hit threes, we're pretty good. I think I, I tracked we're like 14-1 and one when we hit at least 33% from the three-point line. So that's something that, that I think we can exploit um, – and they're, you know, like their defense is 73rd in the country. Um, and, and Ken Palm's adjusted efficiency. Our offense is number 54. So, you know, I'd call that a pretty even matchup um, there. But, you know, offensive rebounding, getting to the free throw line and hitting threes are, are things that we should be able to do um, as long as we can control our turnover rate and keep it, you know, 16, 17% at the worst and not get up in the upper 20s like we did against TCU in Kansas City. Definitely. Uh, we'll peek beyond Montana State a little bit. Uh, we, we don't have to spend a huge deep dive on it because, again, we don't even know who it could possibly be. Um, but let's start with Kentucky just real quick. I think a lot of K-State fans, in uh, my initial reaction as well, is kind of like, well, fuck, Kentucky possibly in the second round. You know, this is what we're kind of thanked with as a 3C. But when you look at it, again, um, if you were to compare Kentucky to Iowa State, TCU, and Creighton, uh, I truthfully believe that m- maybe maybe I'd prefer to play Iowa State. I'm not even convicted in that, but uh, if you look at the quality of six seeds, and then if you even look at you know folks who are lining up on the five and even the seven line this year, um, I, I'm like, all right, you know what? Bring on Kentucky. Um, there's reasons to kind of be worried about it. I think we might be playing uh, maybe one of the best individual players we've seen all season. Um, but what was your initial reaction when you saw Kentucky pop up? And then when you, uh, you know, ran the numbers on them, how, how do we compare and how, how would that matchup look like possibly in the round of 32? The, the interesting thing is just looking at a very generalized stat profile for Kentucky and Providence, which we'll get to, is there kind of better versions, power five versions of Montana State? Because they're both forward-led teams. They've got good guards. Kentucky's guard issues have, have been somewhat due to injury. I mean, they've got, got some guys missing that I don't know if they'll be back. Probably not. Um, but both those teams are, are 
teams that you've got to worry more about the inside than you got to worry about the outside. Uh, so I, to me, that's good because it makes your prep throughout the whole weekend much easier because you're not con- going to be playing some completely different style on Sunday if you win on Friday because both Kentucky and, and Providence are, are not super unlike uh, what we'll see from Montana State. Um, you know, yeah, Tshibwe is is a freak and, you know, just a stud in, in everything that he does. So he'll be a challenge. But, you know, K- Kentucky's not a great three-point shooting team. Um, the, the biggest challenge is going to be they rebound uh, like crazy, the number two offensive rebounding team in the country, and we've had troubles with that ourselves. Um, the 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 other the good thing about Kentucky is they're not a heavy turnover rate team, and neither is Providence. Both of them are 250 or worse in forcing turnovers. Um, so I like that they're not pressure teams. Uh, but you know you get to Sunday, and you're going to be facing a, a pretty good team. Um, Kentucky's uh, top 30 and Ken Palm, very similar to us, actually, 25 and 24 is what we're ranked. Providence is in the 50s and Ken Palm, so not quite as good. Uh, but you're going to be seeing a good team uh, with a chance to go to the Sweet 16. So, you know, hopefully we're talking more about it, but uh, that's that's what my initial res- response would be. And then when, when you look at Providence, again, it, it was a team, again, just from my novice eye, uh, at different points in the season – uh, looked like a very dangerous team. They, they've just kind of had some, uh, you know, slow points. And, you know, that that opening matchup, I, again, if, you, if you're someone who believes that the selection committee is setting up, uh, you know, some, some fun storylines and some fun matchups, you know, their best player is a guy who left and not really on good terms with Coach Cal and Big Blue Nation. Um, how, how does Providence kind of match up with K-State? You, you kind of referenced it a little bit right there. Uh, but then also, how do you see that matchup between those two teams possibly going? Yeah, that would be a slugfest. I think both teams kind of play fairly slow, pretty low average uh, pace, 66, 67 possessions a game. Like I said, you know, Providence's best players are are, are forward types with a decent guard. So – um, you you have that matchup. Um, I, I do think, you know, I'd give the edge to Kentucky just because I think they're more talented overall and they're closer to home. But Big East is good, plays good basketball. Providence has played tough schedule and and, and some really good opponents. Um, they have identical records at twenty one eleven. Kentucky's just beat better competition than Providence has, and uh, Providence is is even a worst uh, three-point rate. They don't shoot a ton of threes. Um, so you, you're going to see two teams that are, are going to try to pound the ball inside and, and rely on getting on the offensive glass. Providence is more, is more of a high free-throw rate type team. Um, so they're going to want to get to the free-throw line at a high rate. But, you know, you're, you're seeing very similar teams that we could play in the next round in very similar profiles as, as far as the stats go. I think we, we we saw uh you know where your head was at if if you're putting a prediction for our our little pot of four um it, it sounds like you have K-State and Kentucky meeting in the round of 32 is that an accurate assumption Yeah I would I th- I would not be surprised to see Providence win but I would pick Kentucky just based on I think they're a little better And then again unless we uh do a uh you know a late night Friday night pod or a Saturday pod uh, you know, and, and publish it on a Sunday in which no one would listen to. But uh, <laughs> what, our, 
you know, gut prediction, you know, I'm not going to send the bonehead army after you if you, you know, change a prediction on, and post on Twitter or KSO. But right now, as you're sitting here, you know, on Monday late morning, do you have K-State making it to Madison Square Garden or will we ultimately bow out in the round of 32 this year? I would pick us to make the Sweet 16 based on what I've seen. I think um, the motive, you know, I hope it doesn't put more pressure on them, but uh, the motivation for our New York City guys to want to get to New York City and play in the second weekend, I think can be a pretty good factor for us and can can help us if if they, if if Keese and, and uh, Tomlin and and even Taiki channel that energy the right way. Um, and, and I, you know, it gives them something to play for in, in, in addition to uh, just being in the tournament and everything else that goes with it. I think those guys, the opportunity to play in New York City uh, on the big stage and, and have family be able to come to games and, and all that that will go with it would be really a lot of fun. And I think it will be a, a factor in, in the energy that we play with. Definitely. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap up with a few more questions uh, and then we'll let you get back on with your spring break. Uh, the first one, uh, if I was crafting a reason why K-State will make a run in this tournament, whether it be to New York City or possibly even to Houston, one of the things I'm hanging my hat on is actually, believe it or not, this seems defense. I know early on in the season, it was all about K-State's offense, but quietly, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe we're the best Ken Palm defense team in the entire East region. Um, so if you were, if you were kind of coming up with, you know, points one, two, and three of why K-State could win this region, is that going to be your number one reason? Yeah, I, I would say it would be one A. I, I also think we have in, in our part of the bracket, as far as how they played this season, I think we have the two best players as far as two guys that can both score 20, 25 on any night, two guys that can hit threes, uh, Keys can distribute and get 10 to 12 assists. Key can get to the rim, get to the lane. Keys can get to the free throw line eight or nine times or 10 times. Um, so you have two dynamic players. And then what Coach Tang has called the wild card in, in, in Tomlin and, and what he can do, the matchup problems he creates, um, in a time when you get out of conference play and these teams only have a short window to prep, um, I think it helps us. Uh, uh, Coach Tang's also been high on you got to win the first one. And and I do think, you know, I think uh, Montana State is well coached. I listened to this, a couple of interviews with their coach. He's a very confident dude, almost borderline cocky from listening to him on on his shows. And I think he brings that to his team and his players. Uh, but they also got destroyed by Texas Tech last year by 30 in the first round. So um, they've seen what tough physical Big 12 teams can look like, which will pose a challenge. And then I think it'll be really tough for Providence or Kentucky to, to prep for K-State in two days, really one day, and and the matchup issues we create. So I'm I'm looking forward to, to getting hopefully to that point that we can we can be talking about that. Definitely. The, the the one kind of downside to uh, this, and, and again, it's, it's, it's champagne problems. Uh, but when, when you are that, that, you know, high seed, that three seed, 
their advanced scouts already starting. I would be shocked if, you know, maybe they have like one singular GA, like putting together a file on Montana state, just in case. Uh, but I think their entire advanced scout is starting on that. And, and low key, uh, just between See, you and me, one of the best things uh, Jerome Tang did that I think folks really in the weeds talked about, uh, but it's going to come up for this, the size of K-State staff being able mm-hmm. to start their advanced scout on both Providence and Kentucky right now is absolutely massive. The army of GAs, the different analysts, some of the other support roles, yes, they're going all in on Montana State, but the advance is already starting on those, and you have those bodies, you have those connections. Um, you know, It probably went under the radar uh, when the staff was being built, but th- these are the moments where that's really going to come through. Yeah, I agree. And I think, oh. and I think that's one of the things that uh, Tang learned from Scott Drew, and he has a massive staff as well. All right, let's get some predictions, and then we're going to call it a day. So, all right, uh, again, you, you can feel free to uh, change your mind on this, but uh, you know, gun to your head, or you know, uh, you know, I need to come up with a different phrase. I use that a lot. I don't really like that phrase. Uh, but, you know, if put in the moment right now, uh, you had to predict how far K-State's going to make it in this tournament. How far are they going to make it? I would go Elite Eight. I think this is an Elite Eight type team, just the way it's built. Um, but we've also seen that eventually they kind of reach a point where maybe they struggle. We've seen that throughout the Big 12. Hot start, struggle. Another hot stretch, struggle. I think we're getting back to the hot stretch again, but uh, you know, we could, I, I think there's tons of teams that can make the final four this year. K-State could be that team, but I, I'll, I would pick Elite Eight. So in the Elite Eight, who would you, you know, in this moment have coming out of the East region, making it to Houston? That one is a good question. Let me look up the bracket because I honestly. <laughs> I'll tell you this right now. I'm buying into the, their hot hype and have Duke. Uh, making the final four yeah that i mean yeah, the I acc think... sucks let's let's just call a spade a spade the acc sucks this year uh but i'm not a purdue believer uh and quite frankly i would have it as a toss-up k-state versus marquette uh but i i i i don't think marquette uh is good enough to you know, beat what Duke has put out there right now. So I I have it being Duke right now. And here, here, here's a little hot take. I actually have, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's FAU or Memphis. I have Purdue losing in that second round, regardless of who it is. I I could see that. I I think Purdue's young guards will catch up with them and relying so much on Zach Edney, who's really, really good. Like he's a very hard to guard player, but they shouldn't you even know, have a three-second rule. Like I, I've, I've watched like <laughs> I've probably watched like ten Purdue games this year, and every single like half-court possession Purdue has, he's in there for more than three seconds at a time. It, it is, it, it it's absurd. Like why have the rule if it's not called? Like it is absurd. Yeah. He doesn't move at all. Yeah, he's he's good. He's he's really good. He does not yeah, like. But, he, <laughs> I do think their young guards will catch up with him. And I, I, I would agree with you looking at the bracket now. Duke and the way they've been playing, um, hot ends to the season don't always carry over into to the tournament, but I think um, they seem to have figured something out 
the last part of the season. I, I do agree with you. The ACC was pretty bad, especially the bottom. And the bottom of the ACC was like a, a mid-major conference. The top had some decent teams, but the bottom was just dreadful. Yep. All right. Uh, so who, who uh, in this moment, who, who would you say is going to win the national title? Ooh, um, I, part of me, I think controversy can either tear apart a team or galvanize a team. And it seems to me that it is galvanizing Alabama. And I do think they have the highest ceiling of any team in the tournament. And so my, my pick would be Alabama to win it all just because of what they have and the, the talent level and the way they played through the SEC tournament was pretty impressive. Yeah, you know what? Uh, Miller on the court likes to get the shot off the court. He likes to help set up his teammates to shoot. So, uh, you know, I've been sitting on that joke for a while. I'm glad I said it. I'm, I'm, I'm probably not that. I guarantee I'm not the only person who, who's made that joke, but I've kept it off Twitter, and I decided I would I would hide it, you know, 40 minutes deep into an episode with you. Uh, but I'm right there with you. I, I think Alabama is going to get it done. Um, so the the final one before I'll kind of give you, uh, you know, the final word. Um, wh- what, in your opinion, what is it about the selection committee that seemingly punished uh, Big 12 teams almost at every turn? Um, when you hear the explanations as to why KU uh, didn't get the Midwest and why Oklahoma State didn't uh you know make it into the tournament it almost seemed like their explanation was oh they played too tough of a schedule and they had all these opportunities for big wins but they only got x amount um it seemed like a very weird thing and with, with his, his uh you know number one with the bullet conference the big 12 is there's no argument against the big 12 being the best conference in college basketball this year seemingly every team probably feels they got uh, slided a little bit. TCU and Iowa State only being six seeds, uh, K State being where they were to, were on the seed list behind Gonzaga, uh, which cost them a a spot in Denver. KU not getting to go to Kansas City, Texas. Honestly, I I, I think they should have been a one seed over Purdue. Oklahoma State being left out. It, what's in your you know big brain? You're way smarter than me. Well, why why did it end up like this for the Big Twelve? I, but I think you said it right. We there are so many quad one games. Um, we beat ourselves up, beat each other a lot, you know. And teams, you know, finished with a couple of losses. Ku lost twice to Texas. Baylor lost twice to Iowa State. Uh, we lost twice to West Virginia and TCU. TCU lost to Texas. I was, you know, in. It seems like the committee finally just decided we're not just going to credit you for quad one wins. We're going to look at quad one winning percentage more than just flat out quad one wins. And it's like you said, it's almost a punishment for playing too many tough games because I don't care who is playing this many quad one games. They're they're not going to win 80% of them like some of these teams that didn't have nearly as many opportunities happen to them and then you know i think we because i because i do think they kind of look at quad 1a or tier one of quad one and all of our teams were kind of 500 in that category as well because we played each other and we had so many teams in the top 20 that you know you're you're just gonna 
you're going to rack up a few more of those quad one losses. And at the end of the day, I think the big 12 kind of got punished because of quad one winning percentage uh, factoring in higher than quad one wins. Yep. I, I agree with you. And uh, I, I, I think, you know, I hope that uh, I, I hope that Jerome Tang kind of listened to what the committee just said and doesn't honestly, I, I don't think there's any, uh, any reason to go crazy with non-con scheduling. If, if the big 12 is going to stay this heavy, um, there's no incentive to go out there and get a bunch of quad one and quad two games when it's really going to come down to not the amount of quad one wins you got, uh, but the percentage. So um, I, yeah, I hope hey, he hey, go ahead. Hey, being three, KU being three on the S curve says all we need to say, like how they ended up three is, is unbelievable. They should have been the number one overall seed, in my opinion, and definitely shouldn't have been past number two should have been the Midwest uh, region. I That's, mind-boggling to me yep i i think they said everything you need to i'm right there with you uh but that's all we have again uh you know fingers crossed uh we uh have a have a fun weekend in north carolina and we can do this again talking about uh hopefully some matchups in new york city so um you know beyond uh that just kind of tell the boneheads tell k-state fans listening anything you would like to uh, plug anything you got going on and then uh, we'll call it a day yeah I'll, I'll be doing more breakdowns i've got some breakdown stuff on k-state online already uh, just of the whole pod some more detailed stat graphics that i put together um, just so you can see kind of matchups i'll be doing thorough previews for montana state and then if we win whoever we play next on kso and uh, working with dy on that then I'll be, you know, tweeting from the game, tweeting all week up into the game, just the little different factoids and, and things as, as we look toward the matchup. Um, looking forward to it. Uh, enjoy. I know it's tough when you're in the moment to to really sit back and enjoy it because you get caught up and you're nervous and, and you want to win and all that stuff. But enjoy being in the tournament. Enjoy being the second highest seed that, K-State has been in my lifetime uh, as, a, as a fan. Um, going back to uh, my earliest memories of K-State sports in general were really the 1988 NCAA tournament um, and, and the run they went on and losing, of course, to that other school um, in that tournament. But um, it's just so – it's the, the Thursday and Friday of this week are the two best sports days uh, of the year, in my opinion. Unfortunately, I'm going to be driving part of Thursday uh, – but still so much fun to watch. Um, enjoy it. Enjoy K-State being in it. And and don't take it for granted because you never know what next year will bring and, and what next season will bring. Definitely. I love it. Please travel safely. I'll, I'll send you uh, some recommendations, some podcast recommendations so you can load it up for your drive. Uh, to all K-State fans who are traveling, travel safely. Uh, and yeah, that's all we have. We will have the Bosco's boys live show on Wednesday. Uh, some playing games will be going. Uh, so please uh, tune in Spotify live 7 PM on Wednesday. Um, got confirmation during this show. We should have tomorrow. As you guys are listening, we should have a super special guest. It will be a recurring guest, but it will be 
uh, a very fun one, especially given the time of the year as we're getting ready for K-State to enter the dance again. So I'm not going to say who it is just in case it falls through at the last second, but it should be a super fun recurring guest, a royalty. There, there's the hint. There's some royalty in there. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's all we have for Jimmy, for Chauncey, the best dog in the world, and for all of K-State fans. We love you guys and go Cats. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea. Fight UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater. Podcast Network.